for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast and I'm excited to talk in this new year about a topic that I think we all need to focus in on which is all about health, performance, well-being, how do we map all those things together and how do we as HR professionals help people to do that and I'm delighted to have Nick Thomas and Ali Martin here who are experts in this sphere. We're going to talk about the terms uncommon sense and various aspects there in terms of how we can help people to look after themselves and maybe also as HR professionals take a leaf out of these books as well. So um, Ollie and Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. Would you like to just position your your businesses a little bit so that you can explain who you are for the audience? Great. Yeah, Lucinda, thanks first of all so much for asking us on the podcast. Real, uh, real privilege to be on. Um, Ollie, if I maybe just sort of go first and then I'll let you uh, let you sort of follow on and uh, tell everybody the interesting stuff. So, yeah, my name is yeah. Nick Thomas, got a background uh, in the corporate insurance world, working in uh, major insurance brokers for many years uh, in sales and sales leadership positions primarily. So I've got experience of working for major global organizations and in a corporate sort of high pressure uh, environment. Um, I then experienced a sort of period of chronic, uh, well, a chronic health condition for a number of years, um, which obviously took me in a slightly different direction. And as I sort of manufactured my own recovery in that area, I learned a huge amount. Um, and that, as I say, took me very much down a slightly different, uh, different route. So got very into, became a widely qualified coach, both in terms of sort of corporate and exec and life coaching, but also, um, and, and through knowing Ollie as well, also into that kind of health, uh, holistic lifestyle, uh, exercise coaching sort of area. So, so, and then, and then got involved coaching at a corporate level and, and with individuals as well. Um, and in recent years, um, I set up a business called Nick Thomas and Associates, which provides training and coaching solutions, um, uh, focusing in on my old area, the old, you know, the insurance area, um, but also more widely to financial services and beyond and looking at a range of areas from sales, uh, communication skills, et cetera, technical insurance, customer service, leadership management, and also uh, in this area, obviously, of sort of uh, so key of uh, performance, health, uh, and resilience as well. And that's where my connection with Ollie comes in. Okay. I was going to say, so it sounds like a bit of a spur off all of those things. So this is a, a making it more holistic as opposed to old school, where you and I have both been involved in things like sales training, things like that. Actually, it's much of a broader look at these this way of working yeah and I, I think that's a good point Lucinda in the the work um 
uh, I try and do as well within the sales piece that I, whether I'm just del- delivering on sales or corporate corporate areas as well. I bring in you know quite a lot of stuff that that I know through my coaching expertise and through working with Ollie as well that hopefully sort of helps in that. So bringing in you know uh, mindsets and uh, sort of motivation and, and these sort of areas as well. So yeah, being ha- able to cross sort of fertilize those areas is 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 really useful. I think. Great. Ollie, how, how does how do you fit into this partnership? Hi, hi. Um, th- thanks for inviting me along. Yes, I'm Ollie Martin. I'm a human performance consultant and a health coach. I've been doing this over 20 years. Um, my background is sports science and professional sport, um, both as a rugby player and, and in uh, management. Um, but really, I've looked at um, how we perform. And the uh, the way we perform is to to build health so we can perform better. So I have a, a very sort of wide range of clients who I help, right from couch potatoes to elite athletes and obviously corporate um, executives. And I sort of help Nick. I've worked with Nick, and he, he's he's worked with me. And um, I run his uh, corporate wellbeing seminars and team building and um, days uh, cor- corporate wellness days. For him. So I think it's quite appropriate that we're having this conversation in January when um, lots of us have got lots of resolutions that we might want to um, enact. And, and I guess it's a bit different, isn't it? So we have got things like corporate wellness days, but we at some point we'll have to talk about how we can motivate people to look after themselves with lots and lots of people still working remotely. But I mean, in terms of, uh, I guess, the stats, Ollie, in terms of what you've discovered and the, the the sort of typical things that you'd cover in a seminar, what are the key messages that you would be challenging? Well, yeah, first of all, I have an uncommon sense approach. That's what I've sort of um, branded uh, how, how I help people. And a common sense approach says, ah, it's January, right? We have a New Year's resolution. Um, we're going to do this, this, this and this, but we've uh, forgotten that actually we have a life as well and we can't fit everything else in. Um, so what I found is people sort of common sense, it, sh- it should be obvious health. We need to you know, exercise more, eat less, low fat, low cow. We need to feel the burn, all this sort of thing. But with this advice, actually, um, the nation is getting fatter and unhealthier. Um, government figures are, are extraordinary. There's six point one billion pounds each year spent on obesity-related conditions. Two thirds of us are overweight, obese, and it's also really um, a big cause. Uh, I think obesity is the is the second biggest cause of cancer, uh, and cancer is the second highest cause of death after heart disease. So, um, yeah, in terms of 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 the stats, uh, a common sense, the news resolution sense approach doesn't work. Um, so I've looked to develop an uncommon sense approach, which is more of a, a holistic approach. Okay, so because I mean, I can I can see that. Yeah, as we said, we talked off camera, didn't we? That un- the thing about common sense is it isn't actually all that common. And I'd, I'd be interested to hear more about your um, your more holistic approach. I was also just thinking, and I don't know if this is too early to know this. It's more of a theoretical question. Over the last three years, more and more of us haven't had to exercise by, I, mean, I think of the days when I used to go into London three years ago, and I would do 14,000, 15,000 steps just by getting around on the tube and things like that. So 
And that's uh, no offense. I I have incorporated into my day a dog work first thing in the morning, and and I do um, still get active. But I have to. I've had to create those new habits, and I am conscious that lots of us. It's almost we might be even more glued to our desks and chairs at the moment um, with this remote working. Even though in theory we've got more freedom. I don't. Have you got any comments on that? Have you noticed anything anecdotally or stats on that? Um, definitely. So what we find is. Um, daily movement is so important um as we're talking about we're going into sort of more detail but um we find that you've got uh mega fit people they might go for a big run in the morning um and get huge amount of steps even but if you then sit at your desk or sit at your screen for eight hours solid four hours solid some people even 12 hours solid we find that actually you'd be better off moving every hour than you would going for that big hard run now this should be really good news for individuals who don't like exercise it should be really good news for hr directors and people that want to help maybe the least fit people in their organization Mm -hmm. because one of our comments nick we've talked about quite a lot is i i come from a professional sport background nick's a big sportsman there's a tendency for a lot of interventions in health and sport to to appeal to the fit people well actually they're the people you don't want to appeal to so much because they're the ones who who, who are going to be healthier anyway. anyway so what we really look at and what i look at and i as i say i've trained with all sorts of people completely obese on a regular basis um we look at how we can make people healthier and that could be the the, the least fit people so and i'll go on a little bit but this uh, so we look at moving your body every hour um your your heart's the size of a fist it pumps 7200 liters a day how it gets help and it does it your whole lifetime how it gets help is by movement if you don't move if you're sedentary and i think nick well, we remember talking about stats actually sedentary um lifestyle is worse than smoking now and there's some stats yeah. on that but by moving there's this process where the muscles squeeze the blood vessels called vasoconstriction, and that helps the blood get back to your heart. So that's a big roundabout way of saying daily, uh, sorry, moving your body every hour. So um, getting up every hour, going to the person in the next door office, going down the stairs, if you're working from home, how can you build movement snacks into your day? And that's a little buzzword we got. Yeah, there, real snacks. We want to have movement snacks. And yeah. this builds up the sum is is, is worth more than the, the, the individuals. Okay, I like, just, I like that, Tim. Sorry, just coming in, uh, Lucinda, as well. You mentioned about people doing less during lockdown, et cetera. And that was really interesting, wasn't it? Because I think a lot of us, particularly in that first lockdown where the weather was beautiful, et cetera, and some of us are lucky enough to live in fantastic areas, countryside and everything, out on the bike, out walking, people out running, et cetera. You think, oh, it's fantastic. People are getting loads more exercise. Actually, the research subsequently showed that people were moving less because yes as ollie alluded to the people who are into movement and exercise you know it's a natural part of their life and they do it but if you're actually sat at home and you're being told you can only go out for an hour or or whatever it was um you know people were actually moving less because as you said they weren't having that organic movement that sort of fitted into the day and and i think ollie probably say that that's just a progression from what's been happening throughout sort of history, really, where nobody, cavemen didn't used to exercise in inverted commas. They used to lift things. They used to run. They used to track food, etc. They were getting their movement in as part of their everyday life. It's only relatively recently we set aside these periods to do exercise in inverted commas. 
Yeah, and it is something you've got to build a habit in. I think we've all had the experience where, as you sit down at your desk at eight o'clock in the morning, at eight o'clock in the morning, you are unlikely to move from it. So I, I find that you've got to have done something physical or educate these snacks, create these little habits. It's just occurring to me: some businesses that I work with do fifty-five minute meetings as default in their things, whether it's little things like that, where you know that is at least that break to go and have five minutes, whether it's just walking up and down the stairs, get yourself a glass of water or something, just to get up and move um, is, is the key. Otherwise, it's very easy to, to stay glued there. And I, and I suppose, Nick, going forward with that, I know that our audience out there totally, you know, there's lots of people who are aware of the importance of well-being overall. Um, but you're all about performance, aren't you? Do you want to explain a little bit more about how this all links to people's performance, stress, all of this, why it's all quite key. Of course. And we approach it from both angles, Lucinda. So we do talk you know, about the health aspect, but also aspects as well that feed directly into to performance. But I think, you know, your audience will know as, any, as well as anybody, the link between health and absenteeism and presenteeism and productivity. You know, it's well established and self-evident. So just a couple of bits of research there, but I mean, research by Westfield Health showed that absenteeism cost the UK £14 billion in 2020, £14 billion. 36% of employees said their workplace productivity had been affected by mental health issues every single week. Um, presenteeism long established it's cost the UK economy approximately 15 billion. So, you know, that's that aspect, isn't it, of people being at work, whether they're working at home or working in the office, but because they're not very well or, or they've got mental health issues or whatever it is, they're not functioning anything close uh, to their optimum. So uh, and in fact, in, in, in a more recent report, CIPD's Health and Wellbeing at Work report in April 2019 found 80% of British employees continue to work when unwell. That obviously feeds directly into that presenteeism piece. So there's a massive link there between health uh, and performance and also cost to businesses and cost to the economy, et cetera. And we know, I'm sure many, many people will have heard of, heard of Jim Lure, uh, the uh, performance psychologist, um, and his work on corporate athletes and ideal performance pyramid goes back decades to the 90s. And he showed that to perform optimally, we need to build physical, emotional, mental and spiritual capacity. Now, People get off put by spiritual because it sounds a bit woo woo to some, but that's really just working in line with your meaning and purpose and your values, because that really ignites passion for work. And it gives you that sustainable uh, sort of performance that um, the likes of Angela Duckworth in her research and her book Grit talk about that ability to perform over a long period of time. So, we, you know, a lot of this stuff has been well known for quite a period of time. But, you know, without wishing to sound critical, I think businesses with the exception of things like corporate gyms, which feed into what Ollie was talking around, you know, making the healthier healthier or giving them access, you know, with, with the exception of those sort of aspects, uh, they've been slow to respond. But I think COVID lockdowns and remote working have been a real tipping point. Um, you know, certainly, you know, I know from speaking to you, that's created, um, you know, much more sort of uh, immediacy for uh, for corporates in terms of sort of trying to, trying to deal with this stuff. Um, we knew there was chronic stress in the workplace already, but that's been exacerbated and various pieces of research there, have, you know, some quite startling figures around people's well-being, uh, et cetera. So I can talk about that in more detail if you want. Um, okay, but, I, can uh, Ollie, I can see Ollie's also ready to come yeah, in. Well, yeah, I'm just yeah, still reading. Well, yeah, I think it's Important yeah, I'm still really going back decades to the 90s and, and it making, making us all feel really old. 
I was very young at the time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So sorry, Ollie, what were you going to come in with? That's okay. I was, uh, so, so some really important points there. But um, when we're looking at performance, we're looking for a balance of stresses. And we often hear, hear the word stress and think of it as a bad thing. But stress is, is not a good thing, not a bad thing. Actually, stress helps us perform at the highest highest level. And that's what um, an athlete's looking to, to produce. And that's what a, a corporate athlete um, wants to produce as well. You want to um, get in the zone and perform at the highest level at the right time. So it's understanding stress. Um, one of the concepts going back a little bit to the uncommon sense approach is that we've evolved over 4 million years, but our environment is, is near identical. Sorry, we're, our bodies are near identical. We evolve 0.01% every 100 thousand years so our bodies are pretty much identical to they were when we were cavemen and cave women but our environment is 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 now very different so an understanding of what our bodies are designed for and how it responds to stress and what is stress is really important so a couple of points here the body treats all stress the same whether it's physical whether it's mental whether it's thermal nutritional electromagnetic it all it all um it all the body treats stress as the same so it all comes out of the same pot so if you're very mentally stressed you say well i would need to go for a run because that de-stresses me that can also add to being an extra stress on the body so a little bit of awareness on that nick you talked about uh, chronic stresses so long-term stresses our bodies are not well designed for, for long-term stress they are designed for really acute short sharp stresses uh, and that's really important. We have this autonomic nervous system where we have our parasympathetic nervous system and our sympathetic nervous system. And this is the fight flight response. Um, we need to use that to advantage. And what we're finding is, um, I mean, you think we've only had electricity a hundred years or so. And as I say, we evolved 0.01% every hundred thousand years. An idea of let's use the acute stresses, so short, sharp stress, but then let's have lots of recovery afterwards. So how do we build performance? We balance the stresses, and in particular, we focus on short, sharp stress and lots of recovery. So we look at sleep, we look at time out, we look at ways to, 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 to build energy. So to cut along to the we, yeah. we build health to create the performance. Can I just understand this a bit more, though, because that's, that's really interesting. That So the point you're saying is at the start um, that we so even when we think we've we, we are going out for a run or doing something that's good for us, if we went and did exercise, you're saying that actually that's also viewed as a stressor by our, our body in theory. Yeah. And this is where uncommon sense comes into common sense. I'll give you the example. It's January. We've eaten lots. We're, we're, we've had every, every, everything, lots of extra mince pies. So. You, you you want to lose weight. So let's say you go and see a, a weight loss person or you go um, the shakes or you go to the gym. The first thing they're going to say to you, OK, you need to lose weight. You need to exercise more and you need to cut your calories. You need a, 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 a low calorie diet. However, what I'm saying is actually the weight gain is more you've got your balance of stresses wrong. OK. So the weight gain is a symptom that you've had too much stress 
not enough uh, rest and repair, or vice versa. You're 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 out of balance. It's it, it's hard to show. I normally use pictures and 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 depictions to to talk about that. But actually, you might get short term benefits from a low calorie diet and exercising more. But actually, those increase the stress on your body. So you will actually find the long-term benefits. You will put the weight back on and you will probably put back on more. And there's a lot of evidence uh, about that, that the body tries every mechanism to put the weight back on before. So an understanding of what our body is designed for and and the situation they're in now. If you reduce calories, you're actually giving your body less nutrition. So it's going to store food that it gets as fat because it might, it's worried that it's not getting a regular source. Also, if you're exercising a lot, the body's in a, in a stress response. So again, it thinks, well, I don't want to waste too much energy. I'm going to make you th- feel lethargic. lethargic. Or when you haven't eaten much, you're going to be even more lethargic. So you can use willpower to get you off the couch. I'm guessing one week, two weeks, three weeks gets to the end of January. And guess what? Attendance figures and gyms, are dramatically they they fall off a cliff come come february so is that you're so saying what do- it's actually trying to though but you're saying you're almost excessively so because otherwise it doesn't i can't see a way through what you're saying there if you're saying you can't exercise and and you can't not eat because you're dropping your nutrition you're exercising is that because you're talking about doing something a little bit more ex- excessive whereas if you can, can you raise your tolerance to um, say low level stressors going back to your movement thing your movement snacks or whatever so that you are still you're active and you're burning because so, I'm not quite seeing how there's an upside or a, or a happy story here I, on that one. I suppose the main point I say in January the idea of calories in calories out doesn't work so right. forget what you think you know about that and understand how what our bodies are designed for they're de- designed to be uh, survival tools so if you exercise too much and reduce calories, they they won't work properly. What I'm saying is for high performance over a long period of time, you need to build health. How do we build health? So we eat nourishing food. So it's all about long long game, basically. It's long game. The long game. But if you eat food that's right for you, right for your body, it gives you the right nutrients, do you think you're going to overeat? In theory, you shouldn't feel hungry in theory, right? If you're eating those things. Exactly. And, you know, it takes time and gets the balance right. If you move your body in a way that it's designed to, um, do you think you're going to get injured? Do you think you're going to recover away from it? Yes, it's going to be more natural. It's going to be a a more natural approach. So rather than punishing your body for the excesses over Christmas, I'm saying work with it for for health and performance. Um, So... uh, yeah, so you want to move your body every day and you yeah. want to move it in a way that's uh, aligned with your evolutionary heritage. So we talked about short, sharp stresses. So let's do some really high intensity work and then let's do lots of low, low intensity movement. Um, food we talked about a bit. Let's, um, I joked earlier, any, anything that says low cow, low fat, healthy choice, I would avoid it with a barge pole. Anything that has something that tells you it's healthy, that's a big warning sign that it's an absolute rubbish for you. So we want to eat nourishing food. Um, so those are two of my biggest points. Um, We're talking real food there, Ollie, aren't we? Yeah, unprocessed. Food, food as opposed to food products, I know, is one of your favourite comments. 
Yeah, and what is a food? What is a food product? Yeah, real food comes in its whole natural form. A food product has an ingredients list or packaging or or, or marketing. Um, yeah. Agreed. And just maybe, I don't know if this is in your pandemic, just going just finally on this stress thing, because I know I've just dug, dug, drilled in on this. We've talked about stressing in terms of exercise and eating and things. What about stress in terms of work style? So is the is the, it's something about us not sitting, you know, or really working really into, we could work in short, sharp um, Pomodoro yeah. type things, then take a break. Is there something here where we could, you know, translate this into how we work at, if we're at a computer, say? Absolutely. No, I think I think, you know, the what Ollie's been talking about from from a physical health perspective, et cetera, it's a direct analogy through to work. So, you know, the the, the typical analogy we talk about and Ollie can talk about this much more detail than, than I can. But if you're looking to to get fit, to build muscle in a gym, um, you do intense work, you lift weights, whatever it is, you're not building the muscle while you're doing that. That's the stressor. OK, that's the stressor. We don't build build muscle when we're lifting weights. We're actually tearing and damaging muscle fibers during during that time. We build muscle because when we rest, then the recovery, the, the, the muscles recover and they, and they recover so that they're stronger than they were they were before, bigger than they were before, et cetera. So that's that whole aspect. It's the same as w- with the physical aspect. Um, it's about building in periods of stress with recovery. And if that, you know, you go back to the corporate athlete, they talk about oscillation between stress. Um, and then having rituals to recover. So we know that we work much better in short period of, periods of time. There's something called the Pomodoro uh, effect. Um, you know, you work for 25, 40 minutes at a very, very high level. Ideally, we get into a kind of flow type state, if people are familiar with that, where we're working at a really optimum high level. Um, but that performance starts to drop off after a period of time. So we start to get diminishing sort of marginal returns, if you like. So we need to finish that task, stop, take a short break you don't need to take like half an hour an hour like my son does when he thinks he's done 20 minutes because that that's that's too much rest but you can then start to build in some of the things that you know this is where this all fits together start to build in some of the things that Ollie talks about so you're doing 45 minutes really highly productive sort of cognitive work or whatever it is two or three minutes break do some breathing squats for example which is a little movement snack do some breathing, get out, if you can get outside and you're in nature, get out in nature for a couple of minutes, maybe play with your dog for a couple of minutes, you know, these are like healthy uh, activities that really help you to recover, so that when you then go back, you can, you can sort of, uh, you can go back to that optimum level of performance again, as opposed to what most people do, they go on social media, look at their phone, we know about the damages to performance from media multitasking. There's a lot of research around it. We know what it does to brain brainwave patterns. It does exactly the opposite of getting us into a flow state. So yeah, the comparison is is di- is pretty direct, really. You know, whatever we're talking about, whether it's physical performance, um, you know, whatever area we're talking about, or, or work in a an office space, cognitive environment, the the same is true. And and I mean, there's so much to all of this stuff, but. It, also movement one of the things fairly well established now is that actually movement helps our 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 cognitive performance so we can literally generate new brain cells through moving um so uh so yeah there's a lot of benefit to it and it's a great recovery tool as well i think um i always say to people 50 percent the benefits of of exercise movement are are, our mental health benefits our cognitive benefits so you're getting more bang for your buck 
And I actually think there's a whole thing about anxiety and long-term you know, depression and things like that, people preventing those things, especially if you get to move and you get outside. And you, interesting, Nick, you you sort of said people get put off by the spiritual thing of the woo-woo um, um, aspect of it. But um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits, he talks about four aspects of renewal of one, which spiritual is one of them. And I always think that's something, it could be being out in nature, it could be doing yoga, it doesn't have to be religious as such. It's about something which is woven in. Um, Absolutely. I think that's something Brits... You know, the Americans, I think, are quite comfortable Find talking it. about spiritual. The Brits, it, it's a, it's not a, a word that we sort of resonate so much with. So it's, it's more about finding that meaning and purpose. Yeah. 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 And so there's more physical things that we can do, I'm guessing, in terms of the top tips. I know you've talked a little bit about making eat, eat food, real food, not food products, move your body, have your movement snacks. Are there any other things that you would recommend for us to incorporate or as HR professionals to in, maybe encourage others to incorporate into their day? Yeah, definitely. I mean, from an individual point of view, um, there's six things that if you if you do these six things each and every day, they all interlinked. They all they, they all have help each other. Uh, we've talked about a lot of them already. They'll come in, but if if I give you the six uh, bullet points, you want to breathe deeply. Breathe in through your nose, and your tummy should come out. That filters the air breathing in through your nose, gets your tummy moving, it's good core training, but fundamentally it sends you into that rest and repair karma state. So breathing, you think we can go uh, what, three weeks without food, um, three minutes without, um, sorry, sorry, three weeks without food, three days without water, only three minutes without breath. So that's number one at the, up the list, if you can breathe better. So if you you are having 55-minute meetings or 45-minute meetings, do some breathing in, in between that. So that's number one. Number two, eat nourishing food we've talked about. Number three, move your body every day. Number four, drink water. Um, now, I've got a formula here. You you drink the amount of water in litres, which is your body weight in kilograms, times 0.033 litres a day. So for me, that's about uh, three, three, four litres a day. That might sound quite a lot, but we're very dehydrated. Also, screens and electromagnetic radiation, they're thought to dehydrate us more. So drinking water. That was number four. I think I'll lose count here. Sleep, eight hours sleep a night, really important. Probably one of the most important important things is just to increase the quality and amount of sleep and then number six is the the positive solutions what we focus on expands uh, so this is the, the the mental aspect as well so you want to breathe deeply you want to eat nourishing food move your body every day drink water get eight hours sleep and have positive solutions what you focus on expands okay Great. And again, that's again, it's linked back into you saying your point, actually, Nick, about the um, if you go on to things like social media, often you're focusing on really negative stuff or news or things like that. And that becomes dominant, whereas actually you can focus on more positive stuff. So it's focusing where you're putting your attention. You're saying there in terms of it, it expanding. Positive. Yeah. I, I absolutely links with if anybody's familiar with the positive psychology movement. Um, so um, I mean, Sean Akel's book, The Happiness Advantage, kind of um, really encapsulates some of this. Um, if you focus, you know, we traditionally think, oh, work hard, make lots of money, be happy. He flips that on his head, be happy. And when I say be happy, he's talking about having positive emotions. So being yeah. positive, because actually it, it release, releases sort of feel good hormones, etc. It literally broadens 
our sort of field of vision so we have more options we have more you know we're more creative we have more options available to us and we're, we're therefore got a better chance to perform at a high level so he, he flips that on his head and say if you've got positive emotions you will be successful as a result so absolutely you know doesn't mean and listen what we're not saying here if anybody any therapists are listening is push negative emotions aside push them down absolutely got to deal with them they're there for a reason they can have really you know they can have strong strong benefits obviously but if we generally adopt a positive mindset as ollie as ollie says you know then we're more likely we tend to move towards what we focus on uh as he was as he was saying yeah absolutely great okay so yeah. on, ollie did you want to add something yeah i think that's a really important point and you're talking about what can we do for motiv- motivation what can we do for this and we, we, we've touched on this idea of purpose what your purpose is and talk about dreams and legacies and having that and what that is about is having the emotion which is basically the unconscious mind which is most of your mind so if you have the emotion of what you actually want to happen in work in life and in in family it's the emotion that attracts um the um the, the circumstance towards you so if you're planning to to do something healthy or plan to change your lifestyle you actually want to create the thoughts and the feelings of that first and then that attracts it towards you Uh, and that's a really important point the old school of goals and this sort of thing uh, doesn't work as well as as creating uh the 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 mindset to to uh, attract what you want into your life and there's some really I don't know whether you've got any sort of remuneration experts on the call as well, uh, Lucinda, but it's really interesting research you're pro- probably familiar with now around the different, you know, about how extrinsic and intrinsic motivation affects us and the real power of extra- intrinsic motivation um, as distinct from extrinsic, where we still seem to be in a world where people are driven by carrot or stick, but actually research showing that for cognitive and creative tasks, actually that negatively affects creativity as opposed to intrinsic motivation which actually benefits it agreed so so i guess going into thinking about this from our audience point of view and maybe start bringing this all together what would you suggest what recommendations have you got for hr and organizations more generally to support health and, and performance for people yeah well again with that same theory we'll want to have rather than um lots of sort of um things in the middle we have a a, a big idea i would say for a company so we're looking at the the macro side and then we look at some micro side as well so really we're looking at setting a culture for for for, for long-term health and well-being so that can start at the topic it it could start at at the bottom but really um the idea of what what can we do to set this culture are people having a lunch break um I mean, a huge, huge area, which, which, which I, work, I don't know about, but obviously you're better at that, but about policy and, and, and how to help people. Nick, come, come in. There. Yeah, only just coming in on that, um, uh, you know, the aspect of setting culture so often can, can be top down. And I think, you know, we've got a slightly different scenario, Lucinda, now, haven't we? Whereas three years ago, pretty much everybody was in the, uh, was in the office. Now, something can be really valuable there. 
I remember the story of, uh, I think it was the Amex chief exec, and he used to deliberately at lunchtime put his gym gym gear on, walk through every floor on his way to the gym, and, and be pretty obvious in terms of showing everybody that that's what he was doing. Um, you know, and when we went virtual, whenever he was going uh, remote, one of the things that I was talking to people about was making sure early doors as a leader, you're speaking to your people and you're setting expectations around, you know, how we communicate, what hours we're allowed to send emails, what hours people are expected to, to reply to emails, etc. Because we know that people feel obligated almost even if they receive an email at 11 o'clock at night. So setting those parameters correctly, particularly for the hybrid working environment. Um, and yeah, if you are working at home, etc., you know, stuff like um, because because people do tend to, you know, we can't separate. There's that aspect of, of work life uh, separation. And we know that that has a real impact on um, mental mental well-being, the ability to separate work and life. So how do you do that if you haven't got that commute to work, if you haven't got the, those physical aspects that separate yeah. things? Um, and you've got to create a routine. So rather than stay in your pajamas and walk three steps down the down from your bedroom to your office, um, you know, make sure you're building in whether it's a, you know whether you're going for a walk before work, maybe as if you're walking to the station, changing into some clothes where you feel like you're working, having a shower, doing a workout, whatever it does that signals psychologically. And there's there's research around around this psychological separation piece that signals to you that you're switching on, and then at the end of the day. That you're switching off again so i think that's really important to, to make sure you build that in because it's so easy to blur those lines and and also it's great you know really important to be present for your fat present for work but also present for your family etc so rather than eight o'clock at night when you should be talking to your kids or whatever and you're still thinking and looking at your emails that's you know you've got to have set some sort of delineation some barrier so some boundaries so that you uh you, you're, you're sort of giving your body a signal that it's time to switch off oh, yeah, yeah so actually having some time to think about that and write it down it's really important but on the other side I'd say Nick a lot of my ideas for what you're going to do in the office actually if you're working from home I always say it's a good idea to if you're a company to have showers in the office so people can exercise or go outside in the daytime Lucinda you talked about outside and daylight and we haven't really touched on that one of the best things you can do is is to get outside in the daylight we spend too much time outdoors even in january even this time of year it's always brighter outside so if it is raining if people are walking running to work cycling office showers are good if you're working from home you've got that other ideas um digestion well, come in there. there's a just quickly there's a link isn't there between if, if you get outside and your body senses sunlight during the middle of the day then it kind of sets your circadian clock doesn't it isn't that right yeah, so that's one of the best things we can do for for, for sleep is to, to get outside at midday because the daylight goes to the back of your retina and when your deep primal brain knows when it's midday, it also knows when it's midnight, so, so you're going to sleep better. Does it only work at midday? <laughs> it just never... well, especially <laughs> just this time of year, you don't yeah. get much light, but yeah. it's, you know, if you're the, any any daylight you can get... Um, you know, in the in the north, northern hemisphere, uh, I always say get out between twelve and two this time of year. Uh, physically out in nature, spending time, decharging. Please, if you can, put your phone on airplane mode or something. I know people like to check everything. Um, another one of my really big points. I'm going to hog it now. Is is to get on the floor. We've talked about you know 
desks, rising desks, upstanding desks, but actually reconnecting with the floor is a really important thing to do. Easier to do this when it's at home, but maybe offices can look at stretching spaces uh, to help rebalance the, the, uh, the body and time for a bit of quiet time, mental time out as well to help digestion after lunches as, as, as well. So, the, so all of those things, I mean, we were talking about many of those things during lockdown. I think people were maybe more aware of doing those things during lockdown because it was a, an unusual time. It was that we were we were doing these things and they were sort of people more conscious of it. What occurs to me, though, is the people listening to this, whether they're HR um, or, you know, you know, not regular people, working there is that the people who are active are probably still active and the people who are sporty are are the ones out doing stuff at the start and end of the day any bright ideas for how someone because ultimately it's the majority you know what are the people who really have got become sedentary or were always sedentary and now are not even getting the commute any bright ideas as to how you can take those along because presumably they've got the most benefit to be had Yes, exactly. And that's really what, what comes down to our ed- educational process as as people that sort of know a lot about all, all sorts of exercise. We know the, the, the most simplest, easiest things you can do to make the most difference. Now, often that's personal to the individual. So that's where sort of our Uncommon Sense educational program comes in. Um, and it also gives tools for people to design their own movement program in line with a playful attitude. Um, we'll get a bit more detail here, but if exercise isn't fun, I lead that you get injured. But if it's fun and playful and it's going to work, you're going to do more of it. So we very much look at motivation. That's on the movement side, but we've alluded on the nutritional side as well. If you're eating the food that's right for your individual biochemistry, then you're going to make the better options. Then when you put that, link that with your with your purpose. So yeah, f- diets don't have to be unpleasant. Exercise should be fun, certainly not unpleasant. Um, living more towards your dream, uh, your dream life and your purpose and your values. That's what really makes the difference for people. And it's, yeah, it's not quick fix here although we have a lot of tricks and tips but um such as move body every hour rather than go for a run because it might just hurt your knees if you're overweight and have knee problems um so there's tips and tricks but fundamentally if we can do a little bit in the six areas that i i I work with they all interlink and help each other so it's not that unpleasant to to make very tiny changes in your life because it adds up to a huge difference so that's our I'd say, I'd say our, our, our USP with that. It's fun and easy. <laughs> yeah, and you're not, yeah, exactly. You're not looking at depriving. You're not looking at depriving yourself of things. I think that's been such a big sort of, um, you know, the 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 the, uh, the sort of narrative over the last 20, 30 years. You've got to push yourself hard when you when you work out and drive yourself harder and harder and do it every day. Don't have a single day off. And uh, and the food, you're going to cut right back on your food. And you're going to have really boring food and eat salad and stuff like that. I mean. Neither me or Ollie do any of do any of that stuff. Um, you know, I love what I eat, um, and um, I don't deprive myself of anything. Um, but I don't, you know, I eat certain foods. I, I eat real food, um, and absolutely love it um, because it is real food rather than being uh, sort of processed food. So, uh, so yeah, it's not a program 
where we're talking about de- depriving yourself of things. Absolutely. Um, it's it's very much. And, and also, I think the other thing Ollie talks about, you know, about you, you touched on yourself, Lucinda, about making little practical changes. And what we do in our sessions is, yeah, very uh, integrated, um, very, uh, a lot, lot of interaction. Uh, and and just getting people to start to shift a few simple things that are very easy to implement. And then, of course, as we all know, once you start to make a few changes and you feel the real benefits from it, then it becomes a, a, a bigger thing and you start to unpeel the layer of the onions. And, you know, it becomes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and you start to make more changes because you can you can really feel the benefits of doing it. So it's sustainable. Yeah. So so. It is interesting because it's one of these areas where you used to think that maybe it was slightly out of the realm of HR, that it was this is what people do out of work. But really, this whole holistic, uh, you know, and we, we work at home and live at home and all those sort of things. It feels like this is something which it does come into our, our sphere because we are going to perform better and we're going to be happier. And there's going to be all the things we talked about at the start if we can help everyone in the organisation to 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 do little steps but you're saying but it doesn't have to be massive out of uh, out of reach things it's little small healthy activities and perhaps whether it's educating people you're saying whether you, you get people like yourselves in to um do programs or you know working with a group of people within your organization saying right what what is our culture what's our messaging around this how can we support each other to be healthier to move more to to eat sleep um think more positively so, um, yeah, so all of those things, certainly I think this is a, a great topic for us to think, well, how can we help others in our organisation to take responsibility themselves and uh, to apply their own uncommon sense? If they want to get in touch with you guys, um, do you want to let us know? Um, obviously, I'll put links in the show notes, but how can people reach out to either or both of you? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so my website site is under construction, and hopefully by the time this goes uh, live, it will be uh, will be operating. But it's uh, it's uh, Nick Thomas Associates uh, or www.nickthomasassociates.co.uk. You can also find me very easily. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. My company is pretty active on LinkedIn, um, and you can also uh, take a look at Ollie's website, which I'll mention in a minute, um, or get get in contact with him via via LinkedIn as well. So Ollie does a lot on the sort of personal side. He's got a, a fantastic outdoor uh, sort of facility, wild fit facility in the Surrey countryside. Um, so wild fit as opposed at... to CrossFit. That's okay. That's it. Including the it's, name. It, it's definitely not CrossFit. It's wild fit. And it's all of, it's oh, all wild outdoor. Fit. Not wild so... fit. There's no wild animals then. There are wild animals. It can yeah. be. I've got a plastic <laughs> tiger out there. <laughs> no, it's um, wildfitsurrey.co.uk. Uh, and okay. uh, yeah, it really exposes movement, fun, playfulness, high performance, but also anyone can come and do it. And the key thing is it, it, it's all outdoor. Um, and there we get the double whammy of nature. We've got a beautiful 10-acre site all surrounded yeah. by the by the Surrey Hills. Um, so yeah, and the, that's, that's and the team building effect events. Effectively, you can build in kind of get a, get a little bit of the best of both worlds because you've got all of that. You've got the team yeah. building aspect, which we can build in, but also as well, um, you know, some of the gives gives some little nuggets as well around the performance and health and well being stuff as well. So there's there's lots of different varieties of things we can we can do around that, and Ollie can do. And actually, it's really nice to get people together, isn't it? Um, again, in occasions where people are more remote, not working together, so have a reason to get together and do these sort of things. I used to do quite a lot of that when I was in learning and development. So I can imagine very well how much fun that is. Guys, thank you yes, so much well, for joining me on this. Sorry, go on, Ali. 
Well, in, in, in January as well, we, we huddle around the campfire as well. So, uh, I was thinking very really June, July, really, myself. <laughs> no, no, no. You want to think sort of evolution. You want to think, well, primal, fire and this sort of thing. So, uh... <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the HR Uprising podcast. It's been a pleasure. Lucinda, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. That was great fun. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.